This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Hope that you're doing well. Thanks so much uh, for listening, spending this time with me from the 5 to 6 o'clock hour. This is Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. This is a local show. What's unique about this is it's Monday through Wednesday from 5 to 6, a drive time. I'm a local pastor here in the city, and we're focusing this program on Colorado Springs and Southern Colorado. Just love living here in the city. So thankful for what God is doing and hope that you're doing well. Also want to remind you that today's show does turn into a podcast. Anywhere that you find your podcasts, just look up Colorado Springs, Crosswalk Colorado Springs podcast, and you should find it and it'll pop up uh, there. Today, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. Uh, Sometimes we take in questions. Sometimes we have guests. Today, I'm just going to talk through some amazing truths that we have in the book of Philippians. Philippians really describes joy, and I would suggest to you that it's true uh, joy. There's counterfeit joy all over. Uh, We look to find satisfaction and meaning and fulfillment uh, in our jobs in our families, uh, in pleasure, vacations, uh, sometimes in recreation, in our hobbies, in hiking, exercise. Sometimes we look for fulfillment in sinful things. But what Paul points to is something much deeper than happiness that comes and goes, but a deep-seated joy that comes from our relationship with the living God. Now check this, the Apostle Paul, he is in prison. And he is writing this letter to a church that's so dear to him, the Church of Philippi. The book of Acts uh, records for us the amazing birth of the Church of Philippi. Paul actually gets arrested, Paul and Silas, and they're beaten and they're thrown into the inner part of the prison. And surprisingly enough, they worship. They just begin to sing uh, to the Lord. God responds and there's a jailbreak, there's an earthquake, and they're freed from prison. Paul convinces all of the other prisoners to not run away because he knows that if they run as prisoners, the jailkeeper is going to be executed. The jailkeeper is about ready to take his life, and Paul says, wait, we're, we're all here, don't take your life. And the jailkeeper ends up getting saved, and that's the birth of the church of Philippi. And Paul is writing back to these believers, and he's really expressing how he has joy in the Lord, even though he is in prison. And you might be in a prison-like situation. Maybe there's a difficult relationship that you find yourself in, a challenging job. Maybe right now, as you're driving and you're stuck in traffic, you're like, man, this feels like a prison. Maybe it's a health situation. You have chronic pain. You've got chronic illness something that you're going to deal with possibly for the rest of your life. God wants us to be able to experience a joy in this. There's a simple outline that really helps me remember the book of Philippians, and it's Jesus, others, you. Joy, Jesus, others, you. In chapter one, Paul focuses on Jesus and shows us the source of joy for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. 
Then in chapter two, he focuses on others, this mindset of being focused on others, to esteem others better than ourselves. So chapter one, for me to live is Christ, Jesus, the source of joy, then others. And then finally, ourselves, we need to put ourselves last in the equation. And Paul does describe to us the appropriate way to be thinking towards ourself. Another unique thing about the book of Philippians is how much Paul references the mind or thoughts. Uh, My pastor growing up, I had a great pastor in Southern Oregon growing up, said it this way, if I change my mind, God will change my heart. But if I don't change my mind, God won't change my heart. The battle is really won and lost in our mind, in our thoughts. And if we'll start to think in this pattern, in this way, Jesus, others, you, it will result in joy. We oftentimes think of ruts as being a bad thing, and they are if they're a negative pattern. But if we have a pattern in our lives that's godly, it's beautiful. If you look up ruts on the Oregon Trail, there's some ruts that they found, these deep ruts where these wagons went along the same route, wagon after wagon, and those ruts actually made it easier for those traveling. And so in our minds, we want this godly rut, this godly pattern, this godly way of thinking. Philippians 1 verse 6 is an awesome promise. It's actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just it is right for me to think this of you all. Being confident of this thing, as Paul is writing the church of Philippi, he could be bummed out that he's not with them as a prisoner, but he says, I'm confident. I'm confident of this thing that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Are you a good finisher? Do you have some projects at home that you've started that you haven't uh, finished? We painted the whole interior of our house and I think I've got four more windows that I need uh, to, to paint and that's all that's left of the project. It's easy to like get to a place where we finish a project 95% or We finish it 98%, but God's a great beginner and he's also a great finisher. And he began that good work in you, he'll be faithful to uh, complete it. I remember the first time that I read this scripture, I was a freshman in high school, it was towards the end of my freshman year, and we were camping on the Oregon coast. I, I grew up in Oregon. The sun was setting over the Pacific Ocean. I was reading the book of Philippians for the first time, reading through the New Testament for the first time, and I came to this verse. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God was the one that began that work in my life, and he'll be faithful to complete it. In verse 21, this source of joy that Paul has as he's in prison, as he's wrestling With the difficulties, he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supplication of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ, and to die 
is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet I shall not choose, I cannot tell, for I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So Paul's saying, I don't know if being here in prison is going to result in death or it's going to result in deliverance. But I do know for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Gang, (laughs) this is the absolute source of joy is if we can get to a place to say, for me to live is Christ. Not for me to live is to get out of this situation, for my circumstances to change, to get a different job. If I'm single, to be married, for some who are married that want to be single. Or if I could just get a new car, go on this vacation, or get, get debt paid off. Oftentimes we're saying, life is this. If I can just have this or do this, but mature and wise is the brother or sister in Christ, the individual that says, for me to live is Christ. And then to follow that up with our actions by pursuing Christ in prayer, in fellowship with believers, reading God's word, uh, serving, but my life is Christ. You know what the beautiful thing is? about our life being Christ, is nobody can take it away from us. Agreed? If my life is finances, if my life is my job, if it's relationships, all of those things can be taken away. But for me to live as Christ, that's life. We're talking about true joy found in the book of Philippians. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Stay with me. We got so, so good good stuff to talk about we're gonna head to a break we'll be right back crosswalk colorado springs on 100.7 the word welcome back to crosswalk colorado springs thanks so much for joining me i'm a local pastor focusing on colorado springs we're monday through wednesday five to six Today, walking us through the book of Philippians, discovering what true joy is. Paul's in prison, but yet he's experiencing joy. We can find joy no matter what our circumstances are. Jesus, others, you. That's an outline for the book of Philippians. We're not going to experience joy unless we put Christ first. He alone is the bread of life. He alone is living water. As we make him our life, then we begin to experience joy. The next step in joy is to put others in front of ourselves. We are extremely selfish. Uh, If you're not sure about this, just spend time with a toddler. If it's been a little while since you've spent time uh, with a toddler, man, toddlers are only thinking about uh, themselves. And wow, this is our sinful nature. So as we know Christ as our Savior, Jesus is transforming us and he's changing us to where we'll put other people's needs before our own. Culture is always telling us to think about ourselves first, and that's a downward spiral. So this is chapter two, the first few verses where we're exhorted in being others-centered. Christ first, then others before ourselves. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any 
affection, and mercy? These are rhetorical questions. The obvious answer is yes to these four things. There is encouragement in Jesus. There is comfort in love. There is fellowship in mercy. There is affection. So in light of those truths, those realities, fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. So here's the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, writing to the church of Philippi that he loves dearly, says, I I want you to fulfill my joy. This is going to make me joyful, is if you would be like-minded, having the same love, being a one accord and one mind. You think of a a piano being beautifully tuned. It's together in one accord. You think of a husband and wife being on the same page. They're like-minded. You think of a a great basketball team or a great football team all coming together for the same purpose. And we as believers, God wants us to come together in unity. Hear me out on this. I think we've got a great opportunity in the culture that we live in to shine the love of Jesus Christ bright as we love one another as believers. This is how they're going to know that we're disciples, the way we love one another. Jesus prayed for our unity in John 17 that the world could see the unity of the Father and the Son by the unity that we have for as believers. As the family of God, as we love each other and we walk in unity, it's a powerful display of the Father and the Son. So here's the pathway to real biblical unity. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Wow. Let's think about that for just a moment. Let nothing be done. No thing be done through selfish ambition. Sometimes we may do the right thing with the wrong motivation. It's really selfishly motivated. It's about us instead about Christ or this other person. Selfishness causes there to be confusion, causes there to be division. It breaks down relationships. Conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. This is that pattern of godly thinking is in my mind, putting Christ first, but then in lowliness of mind, how do I think about others? Do I esteem them better than myself? And being selfish is a sign of pride. It's a sign of conceit. I'm just thinking about myself. I'm thinking about that I'm better than someone else, but in lowliness of mind realizes this person is better than me. When we truly believe that, it affects the way we behave. If there's people that you respect, when you're in their presence, you act in in a certain way. When we act sinful uh, towards others, we've put them beneath us in our mind. And scripture here is saying, have lowliness of mind where you're esteeming others better than yourself. Let each of you Look not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. It's not wrong to look at your own interests. You need to make sure you get sleep and food and those type of things, and you get refueled and recharged, but it's not a thinking of yourself to the point of neglecting others. So don't look not only at your interests, but also the interests of others. So how do you like to be treated? Do you like being treated with kindness and respect? 
How would you like your coworkers to treat you? How would you like your spouse uh, to treat you? Do you enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning? Your spouse would probably enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning. Do you appreciate it when the dishes are done? I'm sure your spouse appreciates it when the dishes are done. Do you appreciate a kind word? I'm sure your roommates appreciate a kind word. So in lowliest of mind, esteeming others better than ourselves. And if you're like, you know, I'm out, I'm not going to do this. This is too hard. What we're really doing is dismissing joy in my life. If you want to just have a rotten night and a terrible week and even a terrible month is just think about yourself. Just focus on yourself and it will result in discouragement and depression every time. But when we choose to put Christ first and we begin to serve others, it leads to joy. Jesus told us that it's more blessed to give than to receive. He said that he is giving to us his joy. (laughs) As he washed feet, he was giving an example to the disciples, to us, for us to follow. Washing feet was not this religious, clean sacrament. It was a need. They're walking around dirty streets in sandals, possibly walking through feces. You come into a house, it was the job of the servant to wash feet. And Jesus was taking this lowly position to wash feet. Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. So when Jesus walked into the room, he was like, how can I serve? How is everybody doing around me? Is there a need that can be met? What's our mentality? What's our way of thinking when we walk into a room? Does anybody notice me? Is anybody going to talk to me? Does anybody realize that I'm discouraged? Notice all the me, I centered. So it's been said, and I think it's true, if you're discouraged, go find people that are worse off than you and serve them. And before you know it, there's going to be encouragement that starts to flow into our lives. Hear me out on this. If you're struggling in relationships, that's going to rob you of joy I get robbed of joy when I'm struggling in relationships and there's nothing that's going to rob relationships more than selfishness. So if we want to walk down this path of joy, we've got to put Jesus first, then others and begin to esteem them better than ourselves. When we come back from the break, we're going to look at how Jesus had this mindset of being others centered. If you're like, I don't really buy into this. I don't know if it's really going to work. I don't know if it's really truth. You need to come back after the break because we're going to see how Christ lived out this mindset of service. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier. If you're looking for a home church, I'd like to invite you to Rocky Mountain Calvary. If you'd like to learn more about our church, we're at rmcalvary.com. We're located two places in the city, Awesome Bluffs and Academy, and also out east in Ellicott. We're going through the Gospel of Luke chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We love the scripture and to elevate Jesus and what he's done for us. It's the message of the Bible. Also, thankfully, by God's grace, we've got a vibrant children's ministry and youth ministry, college ministry, small groups. So, We'd love to have you join us at Rocky Mountain Calvary. We have services Wednesday night at 6.30, Sunday 
at 9 and 11. We're looking at True Joy this afternoon. Stay with me. We're going to head to a break. We'll be right back. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. How are you doing this afternoon? Hope things that are going well for you, that your commute home is going good. want to remind you today's broadcast turns into a podcast. <laughs> broadcast turns into a podcast. Crosswalk Colorado Springs, anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Today, looking at True Joy in the book of Philippians. I just love the book of Philippians. It's probably one of my most favorite books of the Bible. And joy is found in putting Jesus first, then others, then ourselves. To be others-centered, this mindset, we have the example of Jesus, Philippians 2 verse 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So how did Jesus think? He thought about others. He thought about how he can serve others, how he can bless others, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus is God. The scriptures are very clear that Jesus is God. John 1 points that out in such a great way. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. The service of Christ, this mindset of Christ, motivated him to put on human flesh, to come as a bondservant. That word bondservant means slave by choice. In the Old Testament, the Hebrews could only keep a fellow Hebrew for a slave for seven years. Then they had to set that slave free But the slave could choose to remain with that master for life, and they were called a bondservant, and their left ear would be pierced. And Jesus refers to himself as a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, making himself of no reputation. We can't really fully grasp this. It'd be like going to heaven and God saying, oh, it's so great that you're here. Well done, good and faithful servant. I've got this planet over here of grasshoppers. I want you to become a grasshopper. They're not going to appreciate you being there. They're going to rip you apart leg by leg, but you're going to pay the price for uh, their, their sins. That doesn't even come close to God coming in human flesh in this reality of service and being in found in the appearance of man He humbled himself and came obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So God became man who then suffered upon the cross and was obedient to the cross, even to the point of death. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. That's clear from the Garden of Gethsemane. He cried out and he prayed and he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. And we're not going to always feel like serving others. I mean, let's be honest. Most times we may not feel like serving others, and it, but it comes to obedience. Jesus, in his humility, in this mindset of service, humbled himself even to the point of death, the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him 
and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You may be trying to decide whether or not you're going to trust Jesus as your Savior to believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. And Scripture says, God's declaring here, that every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee is going to bow. The question is, is it going to be too late? Because if you receive Christ in this life, you receive salvation, you receive eternal life. But if you reject Christ through the course of your life, God tells us that hell is very real and there's that eternal separation from the Lord. But God doesn't want any to perish. So I'd encourage you as you're listening right now, you're driving down the road to respond to the goodness of the Lord and say, Jesus saved me because every tongue is going to confess and every knee is going to bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we apply this to the book of Philippians. Jesus others you. First, Jesus is my life for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Then to be other-centered. Apply that as you go home today. How can you serve and not be served? Because Jesus is the ultimate example. He took on this mindset of serving others. Well, how about ourselves? How do we think about ourselves? Again, the focus in the book of Philippians is our minds. Thoughts. The mind is mentioned over and over again. So, How do we think about Christ? How do we think about others? How do we think about ourselves? So chapters three and four help us to know how we should think about ourselves. And Paul, he shares his story of how he was a Jew, Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, really had a righteousness in and of himself, but he came to understand it wasn't enough and he needed salvation by grace. And he was willing to lose all of these things, all of this identity that he had in Judaism, in the law, being a Pharisee, to have the righteousness of Christ. He was willing to lose all things so that he could gain the knowledge of Christ. I think that we take a huge step in joy if we take our hands off of our life and are able to hold them loosely to say, I'm okay with losing this so that I can gain the knowledge of Christ. So this is Philippians 3 verse 1. It says, finally, my brother, and I love Paul says finally, and then goes on for two chapters. Rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. For we are circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul's warning against those that would try to take believers back under the law. That's who he's referring to as these dogs, these evil workers, those of mutilation. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, 
concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. So his life that he had before Christ, he was willing to count it as loss that he may gain Christ. But he goes on to say, yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And this is such a perspective of joy because a lot of times we feel like we don't have joy because of what we've lost in our life. I've lost my health. Now I have this chronic disease. I lost this relationship. It ended in divorce and I didn't want it to. I lost this job. I, I lost this opportunity. But what Paul's saying is the losses actually provide opportunity to gain the most important thing and the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but it's powerful when you do go through a loss and you mourn and you grieve and you feel hopeless, but God meets you. And in the midst of that, you gain a greater knowledge of who Jesus is and you go, wow, it was worth it. And interestingly enough here in verse eight of Philippians three, Paul says, I count all things lost. That word loss is rubbish. It literally means dung. He's saying, compared to the knowledge of Christ, this over here is just absolute rubbish. So that's an important way for us to think about ourselves to say, I'm willing to lose so I can gain the knowledge of Christ. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs. We're looking at true joy in the life of Paul through the book of Philippians. We got chapter four to look at right after the break. Peace that surpasses understanding, contentment in the Lord. So stay with me. We'll be right back. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Today, looking at true joy in the book of Philippians. Oftentimes, I ride the roller coaster of happiness on my circumstances, whether things are going good or things are going bad. Paul, from a circumstantial level, is going through a hard time. He's in prison. You'd think there'd be no reason for joy, but he finds himself rejoicing over and over again. Talks a lot about the mind, how we think. The key to joy is actually our thoughts. <laughs> Stinking thinking. Sometimes our thinking robs us of joy. So first we think about, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My life is Christ. Then to esteem others better than ourselves, Jesus, others, then you. And now we go, how do I think about myself? How do I think about the circumstances that I'm going through? And in Philippians chapter four, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say to you, rejoice. <laughs> this is a command. This is not passive, but this is active for us to take joy in the Lord and to always take joy in the Lord because God's good. And we focus on his soon return. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So we should be gentle. We should not be in a place where we're freaked out or we're angry because the Lord is at hand. I think we really need to hear that as believers because 
We are living in such crazy times. Remember the church of Philippi was as well. They're living under the thumb, the tyranny of the Roman empire. And Paul says, be gentle because the Lord's coming and he's going to make all things right. As we think about our lives, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known uh, to God. Be anxious for nothing. Just like selfishness will rob us uh, from joy, also what will rob us from joy is being anxious. There's nothing like worry that will really take joy from us. I'm sure as you're traveling down the road today or listening to the podcast, you're like, man, this is what I'm worried about. I'm worried about my kids. I'm, I'm worried about how I'm going to pay the bills. I'm, I'm worried about this broken relationship. I, I worry about who some of our future leaders are going to be here in the United States. I worry about some of the current leaders in the United States. Man, once we start, man, we can really get going on that. And God says, stop worrying but then encourages us to come to him with those concerns in everything by prayer and supplication. So we're instead of worrying, we're offering that to the Lord. God, I, I give this son to you. I give this daughter to you. I give my job to you. I, I give the fact to you that I've got more to do than I have time. I give these medical bills over to you with Thanksgiving. It's important to, not forget Thanksgiving is to wrap those prayers in Thanksgiving. Then here's the promise. And this is the promise of God and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. God offers a peace that surpasses understanding. And I suggest to you that this is a far greater peace. We want a peace that comes from Understanding, we want to be able to figure out why has this happened? Why am I going through this loss? But God wants to give us a peace that surpasses our understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds. I think about it this way when my kids uh, were little, they're older now, but if they would skin their knees, say they're out playing in, in the yard and they're 18 months old, two years old, they skin the knee. I would not sit down as a dad and say, okay, let me explain this to you. I know you're bleeding, but you will get better, but it's going to hurt before it gets better because we've got to get hydrogen peroxide and wash it out, make sure it doesn't get infected. Then we're going to get a Band-Aid that really doesn't actually do too much. And then we're going to have to rip off the Band-Aid and that's going to hurt even more, but, but don't worry about it. Imagine approaching a young child in that way what do you do? You pick them up and you hold them and you offer to them a peace that surpasses understanding. And a lot of times as a parent, you even say, hey, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Trust me in this. And that's our father as he wants to wrap us up in his loving arms and give us a peace that surpasses understanding. Another thing that's important in this process of joy is what we're thinking about. Philippians 4 verse 9 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Christ is the sum total of all of these things. So meditate upon Christ. 
The last thing that Paul touches on in terms of joy is contentment. He says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wow, talk about joy. Paul said he had to learn contentment, learn how to abound, but also how to be abased. Interesting that he would say he has to learn how to abound. Because oftentimes when we're blessed, we want a little bit more. If we got a 3% raise, we want a 5% raise. If we were able to buy a used car, we want a, a brand new car. If we have a 2,100 square foot house, we want a 3,100 square foot house. Always just wanting a little bit more. But contentment is thankful for the blessing that God has provided, but also learning how to be abased. The Lord gives and he takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. And Paul's living this out. He's in prison as he's writing this letter. He's had times where he was full. There's times that he was hungry. And he gives us this great promise. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 is written in the context of contentment. That Christ is the one who enables me to be content, whether I'm being blessed Whether I have more than I need or I don't have enough, Christ is with me. Hebrews chapter 13 touches on this. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, let your lifestyle be without covetousness. Be content with the things that you have. The source of contentment, the answer to contentment is Jesus. (laughs) For us to be in a place of saying, I don't need anything more because Christ is with me. I can enjoy this blessing because Christ is with me. I'd encourage you to take some time this week to read the book of Philippians. It's four chapters. You could sit down and read it in one sitting in a half hour or so. You could read a a chapter a day, but really approach it from this perspective of joy. To have joy in the Lord, to rejoice always in the Lord. Chapter one is Jesus, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the source of joy, J. Chapter two is others. Jesus, others, you, to esteem others better than ourselves. May God convict us of our selfishness. Then finally, putting ourselves last, being willing to lose so that we can gain, pressing into the peace of God that surpasses understanding also the contentment that only Jesus can provide. So Father, we thank you for the joy that you offer. So many times we're not living and walking in joy, but we want to experience it. Lord, for all of us, wherever we're at, whatever we're going through, the joys and challenges of life, we take joy in you. Jesus, you're our life. (laughs) Help us to esteem others, to truly put others before ourselves. And lastly, in our own lives, that as we experience loss, that we would find gain, that we would experience peace that surpasses understanding and contentment. You're with us. Through Christ, we can do all things. 
We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope this was a blessing to you. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night. Until next time, God bless you. Amen.